Welcome to the Nate Anderson Show. This is episode number two, and I am your host, Nate Anderson. Today, we are mainly going to focus on the White Sox and the Bears, um, but we're going to start off with the White Sox. But before I get into anything, we do have some big news. Um, the Nate Anderson Show is now on Apple Podcasts and on Google Podcasts, and you can also follow us on Twitter at the Nate Anderson Show. So it's exciting stuff, and we're going to be more active out there. So go ahead and follow us on all those platforms. Subscribe, like the show, um, and show us your support. Appreciate it. But today we're going to start off with the White Sox. Um, Ricky Renteria was fired this week, and it's something that we've seen as a trend um, throughout baseball where just because you come off of a winning season doesn't mean your job is safe. And in Ricky Renteria's case, you can improve your roster and your job still isn't safe. I don't like it, and I think a lot of people don't like it. Um, in the case of Joe Madden, where Joe Madden was let go by the Cubs, it made much more sense than some of these other moves that we've seen around baseball because the Cubs had gotten to the same place and they hadn't really shown much difference over the years. They hadn't made the improvements that you were looking for. Um, they got rid of their hitting co hitting coaches and hitting never really improved for them. So it's a little bit different of a case. Um, the writing was on the wall and I think a lot of us weren't really surprised by this move by the White Sox to get rid of Ricky Renteria. Um, it's kind of the same thing in uh, on the other side of Chicago when he was the coach of the Cubs. You know, he, he was the coach that was going to get these young players ready, but he we pretty much knew, the media knew, that he wasn't going to be the coach that won, that won with them. So, um, but it really isn't fair. I mean, when he was the coach for the Cubs, he was the manager for the Cubs in 2014, in 2013, the Cubs' winning percentage was 407. As he became manager, it jumped to 451. He only got one year there, and he would have—he probably would have coached um, at least a couple more years with the Cubs. But Joe Madden became available, and you—you you, when a manager like Joe Madden becomes available, you have to jump at it, especially in that time period. Um, Joe Madden was known as one of the best coaches in baseball. So they jumped at it. Um, the White Sox case is a little bit different because it's not like there's a manager out there that they're specifically targeting, although there is news out today, and we'll get to that a little bit later. There is someone out there that they're targeting, but but when they made this, the decision, um, it was solely based on they don't think Renteria is the right fit for them moving forward and to be successful and to win a World Series. But last year, the White Sox winning percentage was 447. And granted, um, this season is a little bit different, and it's a shortened schedule, so um, numbers aren't going to be the same in a line. He jumped from 447 winning percentage last year with the White Sox to 583 this year. That is a huge, huge jump. And you can say what you may about... Maybe you don't ag agree with this and that and his um, philosophy coaching-wise. But if you look at the numbers, just on the surface, that's a very surprising move. Um, like I said before, 
we aren't all very surprised because the writing was kind of on the wall and they were going to look for someone. Now, the early names coming out were Alex Cora and A.J. Hinch, both who were involved in the Astros cheating scandal. Most people around baseball uh, believe that it shouldn't have been a, you know, they shouldn't be banned from baseball because of what they did. Um, It seems more like it wasn't them that put everything together, and it was more so the players, which is that's a whole nother topic and makes it even more inexcusable that the players didn't even get in trouble at all. And the managers are the only ones that got, or the coaches are the only ones that got punished. Um, but the name that came out today was Tony LaRussa. And if Tony LaRussa is willing to get back into coaching, that's someone you have to jump on. I mean, that. I would say if Tony La Russa becomes the coach of the White Sox, um, if he's the manager, I'm looking. I think that's going to help their chances. And I would say in the next three years, you'll see the White Sox winning a World Series if Tony La Russa became the manager. Now, I haven't looked into that and see what the likelihood of that is. I feel like he has a good gig right now, and he's probably comfortable where he's at. But if the White Sox are able to pull him and get him to come back into managing, that's your guy. Forget A.J. Hinch, forget Alex Cora, that is your man. There's also reports out that they Rick Hahn came out and said he will not be looking at Ozzie Guillen, which is completely understandable, and that might just be an awkward relationship if they brought him back. So um, that's completely understandable for them not to do that. But we do see this trend um, in baseball if – you, you can be successful, and you can still get fired. And on the surface, I, I don't like that trend. I, I don't think it's fair because what are you managing for? Like, how do you gauge success? Because Renteria is going to be out of there um, unless maybe if they went to the World Series, I think he was still going to – he was going to be out of there unless they went to the World Series. I don't think they would have had to win the World Series, but if he gets there, I don't think that he – He's um, he gets taken off. But if they make the divisional round, it's not going to make a difference. If they make the ALCS, I don't think it makes a difference even then. But if they made the World Series, I think he would still be the manager. But they didn't. Now let's rewind back to Thursday of last week. The Chicago Bears faced the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, supposed to be the best team in the NFC coming into the year, right? Media's going crazy over these guys, salivating. They've got Gronk, they've got O.J. Howard, Cameron Bray, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and a good defense. And people went nuts. This team's going to be great. And then they didn't look so great week one against the Saints. But they've started looking a lot better. And it's Tom Brady, right? Well, someone asked me who I thought was going to win going into Thursday night. And I was going back and forth in my head because, you know, the Bears are a solid team. And I felt like the Bears were a good matchup for the Bucs. Um, they have a solid defense. The Bucks had some injuries on offense. And if that offense just was able, if if the Bears offense just did just enough... They're going to have a good shot at winning that game. That's what I felt. 
So I was going back and forth. I had a I'm in a pick'em league, and I could not decide. Well, I ended up picking the Bucks. So I told the person that I ended up choosing the Bucks, but it would not surprise me if the Bears won. And lo and behold, the Bears won. Now, if you watched the beginning of that game, Nick Foles looked awful. Just just awful. I believe it was a third down. It was third and two, I think. And Allen Robinson was wide open. He ran a little out route, about five yards. It, he might have been three to five yards away from, um, from the line of scrimmage. And Foles overshot him by at least six yards whiffed no one was anywhere near Robinson and he threw it way out of bounds it was insane and I was like how do you miss that throw how do you miss that throw well that that's that's the part of the game that Foles was supposed to be better than Mitch at that's why he's in the game that's why he's there that's why we trust him more than Mitch and then he messes up like that. But then Foles gets hot. He starts hitting on people. They used David Montgomery in the past game. David Montgomery came out of college as a dual threat back. That's why the Bears wanted him. But they've never used him in the past game. They barely use him in the run game. But they used him in the past game. I think they targeted him eight times and he had seven receptions. Something like that. The thing with Foles being at quarterback, though, the thing that's different than Mitch is it. you can't hide how bad the offensive line is anymore. Because Mitch could scramble away. He could help the offensive line. He could move around in the pocket. He could move outside the pocket. Nick Foles is a statue. He's not going to move. He's staying there. He's staying still. And come get him. If you beat your blockers, you're going to have a shot at getting Nick Foles. He's not going to escape. So Foles needs to be he needs to be a little bit more precise than he was during parts of that game. If the Bears can get any production on offense, if they can start getting any production on offense, they are going to be a dangerous team. They are going to be a very dangerous team. The reason why is because that defense is still elite, and we saw that in the second half of that game. They were absolutely elite. And if you have an elite defense, people can't score on you. You still need to score to win a game, though. And Aaron Rodgers is not Tom Brady. You need to stop Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, at this stage of his career, has is better than Tom Brady is at this stage of his career. And that's clear. And Rodgers is the one in your division you have to get past. You have two games against Rodgers coming up, and you so that's going to be difficult. You're going to have to score to beat the Packers. Then something happened on Sunday. Dak Prescott went down with a very serious-looking injury, and there's rumbles out of Chicago. Is this going to affect the Cowboys' chance to re-sign him? And if he reaches free agency, should the Bears jump on him? My answer to that is absolutely. He's probably his price tag is probably going down a little bit because he bet on himself, 
and it, everything was paying off, and then this injury happens, and now it's probably going to cost him some money. And so the Bears could get him a little bit cheaper, but I think if you're a Bears fan and he becomes available in free agency, which I don't think is going to happen, I think if the Cowboys are smart, then they sign him and they use this against him and they can get a cheaper deal. But hypothetically, if he becomes available, the Bears must jump on this opportunity. That can be a franchise quarterback. Nick Foles is a stopgap. We don't know who it's for, but it's a stopgap. And obviously, the Bears are not bad this season. They are not going to be bad enough to get the first pick and pick up Trevor Lawrence. And really, I think that's the only sure bet in the draft next year. That's all I'm seeing right now, where we stand right now. So uh, the Bears need to jump on that if that were to happen. I think it's – I don't even think that's a question. You jump on Dak Prescott. Can you imagine Dak Prescott with this offense? He's going to elevate everyone on the field. He's he's similar to to um, Trubisky as the type of playmaker, but he makes the plays. You know, the, the plays that you think that Trubisky should be able to make and that he can sometimes, Prescott makes those plays the whole game long. It, that's a solid, that's a top 10, possibly top 10, um, definitely top 15 quarterback in football but but possibly probably he's probably a top 10 quarterback I would say now the Bears are four and one this week or going into this next week they're four and one yes they I was listening to the score and um hub Arkish said yeah they should be two and three but the point is they aren't they're four and one so what have they got out of this they're learning how to win close games. They beat the Lions. They beat the Giants. They beat the Bucks. They're all, they've all been close games. No one's running away with it. They beat the Falcons. They came back to beat the Lions and the Falcons. Yeah, they let the Giants back in the game, but they held them off. They, they beat the, the Bucks in a close game. That's a big, that's a key of a good team, is knowing how to close out games, knowing how to win close games. That's, that's, that's a characteristic that only good teams have. Remember the Packers, 13-3 and last year. Everyone was saying the Packers were overrated. Packers are not as good as their record. Everyone's saying the same things about the Bears. Well, guess what? The Packers went to the NFC Championship game. You think the Bears will take that? Absolutely. Who cares if people think that you're not as good as your record? If you keep winning, who cares? If you know how to win the close game, that's all you need. Now the Pan- Panthers are coming in. They're three and two, I believe. Yep, three and two. They beat the Falcons. They beat the Cardinals and the Chargers. I think the Cardinals are a solid team. The Chargers are better than their record. I think they're one and four. One in four, but they've uh, they gave the Chiefs a run for their money. Um, they gave the Saints a run for their money. Went into overtime with them on Monday night, and the Panthers have lost to the Bucks. No shame in that. Bucks are still a solid team, and the Raiders. And the Raiders are a solid team. They they beat the Chiefs. They beat the Saints. Raiders got they're a solid team. Um, so this I think going into this game, it's a toss up. I could see that going either way. The difference is the teams that the Bears have faced recently with the Colts. 
Colts have a solid defense and the Bucks have a solid defense. Those are two of the best defenses in the NFL that the Bears just went up against. So maybe their offense isn't as bad as it looks. I, I think it's still pretty bad. But the Panthers do not have that great of a defense. So the Bears should have some success against that defense. They should be able to do some work against the defense. I would like to see them keep David Montgomery involved. You know, if, if you can't keep on handing the ball off, if you don't want to use him as much in the run game, you need to use utilize this, the guy somehow. And you can use him in the pass game. That adds another dimension. But that offensive line needs to improve. Not only in the pass blocking. They're awful in run blocking too. I think they're even worse in the run blocking. So they, they need to work on that offensive line. That's that's the key. Um, but who is the best team in the NFC? Because the Bears, we, we know, even with that 4-1 record, they're not the best team in the NFC. So people were saying that the Bucks, the Bucks were the best team in the NFC. The Bucks might be the best team in the NFC. They're not the best team in the NFC. They just lost to the Bears. The Bucks, they've they've lost to the Saints already, and next week they face the Packers. The Bucks could look really bad after next week if they lose to the Packers. The Packers are four and zero. The Seahawks are five and zero. Both of those teams, by the way, I don't know if you saw the. Seahawks game, they went for a fourth and one on the Seahawks six yard line, instead of kicking a field goal to go up eight, and then the Seahawks would have to drive all the length of the field, and then they'd have to get the touchdown and get the two point conversion just to tie, and that would send it into overtime, and then the Vikings would still have a chance. That's a bone bonehead play call to me. You kick the field goal, you take the points, you trust your defense somewhat. You know, you might say you're trusting your defense because you're going for it, and then now they have to go 94 yards instead of 75. No, you you go up eight, and then you trust that your defense can stop them on their way down, or maybe they can stop them for the two-point conversion, or maybe they can stop them in overtime, but you give them three chances if you kick the field goal. Otherwise, you give them one, and they couldn't do it. So that that was awful. But I think that Vikings team is finally finding itself. It's going to it's probably a little bit too late for that, but it's going to be something that the Bears are going to have to look out for because that's not going to be a team that's that's a uh, easy win. But the real argument here is is the are the Packers the best team in the NFC or are the Seahawks the best team in the NFC? Both have really great offenses and not-so-great defenses. The Packers might have a slight edge over the Seahawks on the defense, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give the edge to the Packers here. You look at what Aaron Rodgers just did. What Aaron Rodgers did with no Devontae Adams, no Alan Lazard, he uses Robert Tanyan to get three touchdowns. Three. And he, they call up Reggie Begleton off of their practice squad. Darius Shepard off of their practice squad. Those are their two and three wide receivers. <laughs> now, it looks like Lazard's coming back. It, or, not not yet. It looks like Adams is coming back. It looks like Lazard will be back in a few weeks. He's not going to be out for the season. And also, Equinemius St. Brown, 
who hasn't played since 2018, should be coming back um, in the coming weeks. He's just starting to practice. So the Packers are going to be even more dangerous coming up. And they're using Jamal Williams in the passing game now. That is a team that is dangerous. But the Bears could match up very nicely with the Packers. Because the Bears have that shutdown defense. And you can't stop Rodgers. But if you can contain him, and the Packers have not a great defense, if you can get any production at all out of your offense, you have your you have a shot. Now, the Bears could get blown out by the Packers when, when that game comes. But that's going to be an important game. Because the Packers are 4-0 and right now, and the Bears are 4-1. and That's one week there. That is one week. The Bears could win this week against the Panthers, and the Packers could easily lose to the Bucks. I don't think anyone thinks that that's, that's a game that's easy to predict. Yeah, a lot of people are going to be picking the Packers, but everyone was saying before the season that the Bucks are going to be the best team in the NFC, which remains to be seen. Right now, they are not. But give it a couple weeks, give it a few weeks, and we could be looking at the Bucks as one of the best teams in the NFC again. The same with the Saints. Saints are struggling. But if you add Michael Thomas back to that group, watch out for the Saints. Because they're a different team with Michael Thomas on the offense. Now, I know he can't play defense, too. But this NFC picture might not be as clear as we think it is. Um, there's going to be a lot of teams coming up, and just because the Bears aren't winning flashy, they're still winning games. That's a solid team. Um, thank you for joining me and listening, and again, Follow the show on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, Google Podcasts. Um, I'll be sharing it to Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at The Nate Anderson Show. Um, thank you, guys. I appreciate the support.